ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. The Drive. Brought to you by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Local then, local now. Member FDIC. All right, let me get this straight. Um, when I was gone, Woody Woodrum stepped in, and um, our producer this afternoon, Gabriel Sellards, did he say I have the plague? I mean, please, please, can confirm or deny that. Did he along say, those lines. It was the plague. I, I had the plague. <laughs> he wasn't far from... the corona. He wasn't far from wrong, man. Like, I didn't tell anybody... And Woody just busts it, and next thing you know, I get a few texts. I'm, I'm like, okay, all right, well, I guess that's not a secret anymore. Hey, welcome in. It's uh, it is um, it is Tuesday. Uh, it is the drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. You can, of course, uh, unless it's changed, you can join the program by calling the White Claw phone lines at 877-420-TALK. That is 877-420-8255. White Claw Heart Seltzer made pure. Uh, our text line is open this hour at 304-523-2275. So the plague. He said I had the plague. That's what he said. Something along those lines. Something along the lines. Hey, Woody Woodrum in for Paul Swan. Uh, Swan's got the plague. He's, um, you know, here's something funny. Someone else told me, they're like, hey, I heard you were dead in the hospital. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. (laughs) I'm dead and in the hospital. Okay. Wow. Maybe I should have. Maybe I should have been more public here. Uh, welcome. Glad. Glad you're with us here. We got a lot to get into. Marshall beating Navy 49 to seven was uh, fun. I'm sure for a lot of people. Man, if you um, if you were complaining about hurt offense uh, in the past, you you have nothing to complain about now. You have nothing. This is old school. This is Bob Pruitt days. Actually, this is what you wish Bob Pruitt did and was capable of, just jacking it up on people. And I kind of have a feeling if Marshall could have got a couple more things connected, this thing would have been even more out of hand. Uh, Rasheen Ali saw the end zone four times on Saturday, had the ball 14 times for 59 yards, but four touchdowns. And then uh, Talit Keaton had a pretty good game. Five receptions, 100 yards. So we're going to get into uh, a lot of what Coach Huff saw later on. His uh, presser was earlier this afternoon. So we'll kind of get a feel from him what he saw as uh, we now start moving towards NC Central coming in. Uh, that's going to be the opener for Marshall. And you'll hear this later, but Coach Huff basically expects you to be there and expects you to stay there. Not leave at halftime. Oh, yeah, this is out of hand. This is over. Not, not that. He expects you to be there. If it is a 90 to nothing route of NC Central, he expects to look up and see you there. And I'll play that cut for you a little bit later on. But that's that's your coach there. That's your new coach. Just basically putting it out there that you better be there. You better stay there. I was never a big fan of the pass out, any, by the way. You know, I'm on record for that. I'm not a big fan of the pass out of halftime, you know, and then not come back. Oh, the game's over. No, you've been complaining forever, seriously, ever, that you want to see Marshall just start throttling teams that they're supposed to. Well, here it is <clears throat> throttled Navy 49 7. Grant looked pretty good as well. 
Uh, there were a few times that you know, Grant overthrew it, or did he overthrow it? He's gotten he's gotten a lot better. He's got some strength behind that arm, and um, that's something that later on we'll hear Coach talked about the fact that he had a lot more time than he's used to. He was working on rhythm, and you know you go up against Marshall's defense in practice. That's going to be a defense that will pressure you, but. You know, Grant found it a lot easier back there because he had more time. So these are kind of some of the things we're going to get into with Coach Huff a little bit later on. Also, uh, soccer's in action tonight on the road. 7 o'clock taking on ETSU. Man, I remember the days of Marshall, ETSU, and the Southern Conference and all things. Uh, this is a short series, seven all-time meetings. ETSU leads the overall 4-3. to three. Marshall's won the last two, however. Uh, they played on February 23rd of this year. So you know, they have seen each other and they're familiar with them. Uh, what's up with herd soccer? Should I be concerned? You got a win, you got a loss, and you got a draw. Should I be concerned? Is this team better than its record? I'm going to lean on maybe, yes, should be, but... I mean, you're feeling pretty good. You won the national championship, but you got to defend that thing now. You know, everyone's coming after you. So that's probably the challenge is getting this team to kind of remember that, look, it's a lot harder when you're on top, when you're the hunted, when you're the national champion, and now people regard you. Before, you could sneak up and come in with that chip on your shoulder, feel a little disrespected because you're Marshall. And they, that's what they think. Ah, this is Marshall at the conference, USA. And now you're, you're the defending national champion, so you're going to get it from everyone. You're going to get it from ranked teams. You're going to get it from conference teams. And you're just going to get it. So Marshall, 1-1-1, one, one, and one. should I worry right now? Uh, we will see. That comes up tonight. And fortunately for you, it's going to be on ESPN Plus. So you get a chance to uh, watch that one. Uh, that'll be coming up again 7 o'clock tonight. So uh, we got football to get into as we get ready for NC Central. Don't sleep on this team. NC Central 1 and 0. They beat Alcorn State 23 14. And this might be a little bit more of a traditional game compared to taking on that triple option the herd just faced. So, Marshall's, you know, we're going to see what Marshall looks like against a, a more standard type team. And a similar situation here. You really don't have that much film, that much footage on this team. You got a new offensive coordinator, so things are going to be a little bit different. Coaches, they do not look at film from the past other than, you know, look at players and try to equate what's going to happen when you have new coaches. I mean, that was Navy's probably difficulty in getting ready for the herd was, you know, we don't have film on these guys under this staff. We might have some film for what this staff has done, but we don't have anything on what these guys have done with this new staff. Now there's some film out there. And I'm sure Marshall didn't show everything. I'm sure Marshall's still holding some of it back. I'm pretty sure there's going to be a few tricks up Marshall's sleeve because it gets harder after this. you got East Carolina, and after that, Appalachian State. Some of you thought maybe, and when I say some of you, maybe you know, you're trying to be fair. Maybe Marshall will get like two or three of these, maybe not all four, but... Marshall beats NC Central, then you get East Carolina at home, and then a tough one on the road against Appalachian State. Marshall might be in a good position, come out of conference, uh, non-conference, 
four and zero. That would be a good spot for the herd as you go in because again, when you're Marshall, when you're Conference USA, you got to do it perfect to even get some consideration because your schedule will not be well regarded. But Conference USA did pretty good. You look at what Conference USA did over the weekend, and you got to be pretty happy with some of the results here. I mean, UAB did its uh, business. Took care of Jacksonville State. Uh, FIU beat Long Island. Okay, you expect that. Western Kentucky beat UT Martin. Okay, you expect that. Charlotte beats Duke. Now, if this was basketball, we might be saying something here, but still. Charlotte beats Duke. That's okay. You'll take that. Uh, Wake Forest handled Old Dominion, so that was a pretty tough one, 42-10 there. But Rice was hanging in there with Arkansas. Arkansas beat Rice 38-17. Mississippi State edges Louisiana Tech 35-34. Middle, Middle Tennessee takes care of Monmouth 50-15. North Texas took care of its business with Northwestern State. Number 13, Florida. Yeah, it was okay. It was not that bad of a, a game against FAU. But Florida beats FAU there 35-14. How about UTSA beating Illinois 37-30? That was a good win for the league. Uh, a bad one for the league was South Alabama beating Southern Miss 31-7 and then UTEP doing what UTEP does and beats Bethune-Cookman 38-28. So um, that's what it looked like in Conference USA. Oh, no, not terrible. Not terrible at all. There's some games here you circle and you look at some of the performances and you go, okay, Louisiana Tech did well. Didn't win, but did well. And UTSA... Be Illinois, that's good. You like that for the league. And you look at a couple of other performances in there, and you think, okay, Charlotte, that, yeah, you beat Duke, you beat an ACC team, but still, it's Duke, but you get a win. So there were some good things in the conference. Uh, there's some good things overall to look at here. All right, when we come back, we got Coach Huff, his weekly presser to the media, trying to avoid some of that rat poison that we like to feed him once a week. So we'll talk about what Coach Huff had to say. We'll do that when we continue with today's edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Presented by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Welcome back to the Tuesday, September 7th edition, The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. We're getting you set for this week's opponent, Thundering Hurt, taking on NC Central. Had a chance to uh, be a part of today's presser with Coach Huff, and you open up on the road with a win. It's pretty good. Pretty good way to get things started, but... Here's what Coach Huff had to say as uh, he addressed us earlier this afternoon, uh, resetting the week and uh, putting uh, the win in perspective. Um, obviously, coming off a very good win, um, really pleased with the way our guys um, competed, uh, really pleased with the way our guys prepared. Um, things didn't go perfect in the game uh, from a coaching perspective. A lot of things we got to get cleaned up, uh, but I think it was a really good start. Uh, really pleased with um, the commitment to change on the defensive side and kind of doing some things schematically that was not necessarily what we do or will do the rest of the year, but the players and the coaches bought into it. Uh, really pleased with that. Really pleased offensively uh, with the, the guys buy-in to the tempo, buy-in to the next play mentality, um, buy-in to the 
um, standard of excellence, whether you're a receiver, O-line, D-line, running back, quarterback, whatever it is, everybody kind of bought into what needed to be done. Um, really, really pleased uh, with our competitive character that was shown. Um, Navy, a very tough opponent, um, really created a lot of challenges for us throughout the week and obviously in the game. Um, but I thought our players did a really good job. Um, really, really excited about the buy-in from our special teams. Um, a lot of the guys on those units um, are not full-time starters on offense or defense, um, but they accepted their role in contributing to the success of the team. Um, and I think it was a really good start um, continuing to grow as a program. Got to get cleaned up some of the discipline issues that showed up that ultimately will catch up with us at some point. I tell the guys all the time, it catches up to you when it catches up to you. Uh, way too many turnovers, um, a lot of loose balls. Um, some of those things um, coaches expect in first games, I don't think so. We practice way too hard uh, for those things to show up. We were lucky um, that those things did not cost us in the game, um, but it was a great learning lesson for our guys of how close we can be um, to being really, really good or slowing us down when we don't do what we need to do. All right, as Coach Hoff kind of setting the stage there, and as we talked about, he's on the road, opens up on the road as the head coach of the Thunder Herd, and he gets the win. And um, he talked a little bit about that, and that's where I was kind of alluding to. He He's really not focused as much on that as having them be consistent on a weekly basis. So, you know, him being that coach on the road, opening up, that's great, but okay, I need consistency for week two as well. But him, here's him talking a little bit about that. Well, I mean, obviously, um, anytime you can win, that's a good thing. Uh, but I, my, my plan is to win every game. Uh, that's what we're going to try to go out and do. Is that going to happen? I don't know. I'll tell you after each game. But I think anytime you can have success as a program, um, you strengthen your buy-in. Uh, the kids we deal with, the, the age group we deal with, are um, see it, touch it, where's my result from it? Um, and they work really hard, you know, so to go out and have some success in the first game, I think really um, allows our process to continue. Um, I don't know what happened to the other coaches in their first games. Um, maybe they should have scheduled Navy. I don't know. I don't know who they played. Um, but I, I think obviously anytime you can go out and have success, um, I think it's great. I try not to put the light on me because I didn't make any tackles. I didn't throw any passes. I didn't block anybody. Um, but it really comes back to the, to the commitment and buy-in from the team. And I think, you know, as a coaching staff, um, I think we prepared our guys. And, and I think it showed on, on Saturday. See, not about him. He didn't tackle anybody. He didn't block anybody. He didn't throw the ball to anybody. He didn't do any of that stuff, but he gets the game ball. So he gets the game ball. And again, you're going to start hearing that consistency out of him. He talked about that. I mean, it's pretty special, right? You get the game ball. Anytime that you get that, you know, that means something. But again, he's not trying to put that on him. He doesn't necessarily want this to be about him, but here's his response to getting the game ball. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think it's great. Um, and I told those guys, um, you know, anything that, that, that I am able to achieve is because of their hard work. Um, and, and I told those guys before the game, I said, regardless of what happens today, 
I'm already so proud of each and every one of you guys in this locker room. Um, you know, I told you guys, a lot of those guys chose to come back way before I was hired. And then even after I was hired, a lot of those guys decided to stay. And I think that says a lot about them as, as individuals and as a team. Um, so it was a good moment. Um, I wouldn't have wanted to share my first win with any other group of guys, knowing what we've gone through as a program. And I'm talking more in-house, um, you know, and knowing what we've gone through um, as a team. You know, there's been some rough mornings. There's been some rough periods in practice. You know, there's been some guys who who have been pushed out of their comfort zone. And, 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 and when you do all of those things, it's no different than any family. The issues, not necessarily negative, but the issues or things that come up in-house kind of make you stronger and it makes you appreciate winning and it makes you appreciate playing together. It makes you appreciate um, having success together a little bit more. See, it's not about him. We're going to hear more from Coach Huff when we continue. We'll work your phone calls in as well at 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255. That is the White Claw phone line. More coming up. It's The Drive, ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM at AM 930. Brought to you by Huntington Federal Savings Bank, the local bank that's here for every step of your life's journey. Member FDIC. Welcome back to the Tuesday, September 7th edition, The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Today is our usual get-together with Marshall head football coach Charles Huff. And coach is pretty long-winded. We're not complaining here. We're not complaining here about the long-windedness of coach's answers. I'm just saying, Doc was maybe 30 seconds, Coach is like three minutes. And of course, he likes calling us out here in the media as well. One of the questions he got earlier on the day was about the offensive line. There were questions about the offensive line, or at least we and the members, the members of the media, we had questions about the offensive line. Coach wasn't having that. He did not have any questions, and he told us as much. Yeah, same assessment I had on August 8th. You you guys were ready to sell the farm, and, you know, we can't block anybody. And I told Coach Morrissey, he, he might as well quit because you guys are obviously the experts, and we don't have any old linemen. Um, no, jokingly. Um, you know, I, I, I Exactly what we, we practiced, and I think you're going to hear it over and over. We practice extremely hard, so the games are really easy. Those guys were able in practice to show – that they had the ability to go out and perform. Um, is there some things we got to get cleaned up? Yeah. Um, are there some things that as the season goes on, those guys will get better at? Yeah. Um, but I, I told you guys in, in, in the first interview, we, we got eight or nine guys we feel really, really good about. Um, we practice moving those guys around. So Millette's helmet comes off. Does the quote-unquote backup center who's on you guys' depth chart, you guys, that's the Bible to you guys, um, the backup center did not go in. We moved Sal over. We moved Tucker in. Probably happened uh, somewhere in the middle of camp where we said, hey, Sal, go to center. Hey, Tucker, go to guard. Um, You know, so those those are the things that, and, and I get it. You know, you guys hate me because I don't let everybody in practice. I get it. But those are the things that we do in practice to figure out if it works 
so that when it's game time, you guys don't look at me like he's got to know what he's doing. Now, if you come to some practices, there are some decisions that I make that make no sense. And, and after I do it, I'm like, that didn't make any sense. But just like we tell our players, we're going to make those mistakes or we're going to learn those lessons in practice so that in a game when it happens, we, we're prepared for it. Now, Coach, you know better. We don't hate you because you don't let us into practice. You know better. And by the way, yeah, the depth chart is the Bible for us. We look at the depth chart and we try to base our – our previews and our prognostication and everything on the depth chart. And then he goes and does things like that. So yeah, the depth chart's a thing for us, but no coach, we don't, we don't hate you because we don't get to come to practice, but you know, he's, um, he's not going to dispel it out. This is the kind of coach you're dealing with here. It's a coach that's just not going to spell it out for you because you know, he's not just going to let us in and practice. And we're just going to write about and talk about what we saw that's not Coach Huff. And so they're doing things that make sense to them, and we might look at that and go, huh? But they've been working on that as well. Now, he did mention in his opening statement that there were some things on the coaching side that he kind of wanted to clear up. So uh, he was asked about that, kind of maybe get some clarification, and here's what he had to say about that. No, I, I just think, you know, when, when you put guys out there for the first time, this is new for all of us. Obviously, we've all coached before. We've never coached together, you know, so – just, you know, who you're playing, how long are you playing them, you know, who needs to start versus who needs to take a couple plays to kind of, you know, settle down a little bit. You know, who's better, you know, in the second half, you know, who, who's who's play limits or play ceilings, you know, reach whatever, you know, hey, this guy can play 40 plays and then he needs, you know, a couple of series off. So those are the things coaching wise that I think we got to, you know, we got to continue to to adjust and learn from. Um, you know, hey, who, who, who does really the things that show up in practice ultimately show up in the game? You know, hey, did we see this person do X, Y and Z in practice? And here it is in the game. So just obviously being a new coaching staff, first time working together, um, some things that we learn kind of on the fly that we got to be able to build off of moving forward. Coach Huff talking about maybe just um, making sure that everybody's on the same page now. Let's talk a little bit about some of the individual performances we saw out there. And first up is Grant Wells. Were there questions about the offensive line? Well, not in Coach Huff's mind. So no questions there. That means Grant had no questions. He kind of felt like he had a little bit more time back there, uh, the way Coach talked about it. But Grant Wells' performance, uh, there were a couple of passes maybe he'd like to have back, but all in all, Coach Huff was very pleased with his quarterback. You know, I thought he did a really good job. I told, you know, Talik and Corey, well, he should stop throwing the ball to you guys because you fall down on the four-yard line every time. I mean, the guy would have five touchdown passes. He'd be on his way to win the Heisman, let you guys tell it. But, I mean, those guys keep falling down on the four. So now, you know, Ali's going to win the Heisman because he's got to have the most rushing touchdowns in the country. I told him, I said, you got four rushing touchdowns, you got ten total yards. Um, but I, I think Grant did a phenomenal job. Um, you know, are there some throws that he'd like to have back? Yeah. Are there some calls that offensively we'd like to have back? Yeah. Um, but, you know, when you look over, you know, the, the, the whole game, I thought he looked comfortable. I thought he managed the tempo well. Um, I thought he was throwing the ball to the right people based on the defensive, you know, reaction. Um, on the sidelines, he had the right demeanor. Um, so I thought he did really well. Um, you know, is there some things he can get better at? Yeah. Are there some things that were a little bit different? You got to realize 
we practice against our defense, you know, all through camp. Okay, well, our defense pressures just about every snap. So a lot of the things that Grant had kind of banked reps on were all timing. One, two, three, ball. One, two, ball. One, two, ball. Well, we got the Navy, and he was kind of sitting back there, you know, kind of patting the ball. And he came to the sideline. He was like, well, man, I've got a little more time than, than I thought. So it's a little bit different throw. You know, when you're used to kind of having to get the ball out quick and having to do things on rhythm, which he's good at, and then you get in the game and it's kind of where you can hold it, hold it, hold it, it's a little bit of a timing thing. And I think that's just something over time when you get true game experience in this season that he'll be a little bit better at. So you know, I probably would say there were three balls that, you know, you say, ah, oh, well, why do you throw it like that? Well, you know, when you're sitting back there bouncing on your back foot, for three and four seconds, and you're used to sitting back there on your back foot as soon as it hits you, rocking and getting it out, it's a little bit different, you know. But I think as the game went on, he kind of felt that and kind of made the adjustment. So I felt great about his performance. I think when you look at the whole game, you know, if you just look at the stat sheet, you say, wow, he threw two interceptions, he didn't throw any touchdowns. But, I mean, how many balls did he throw that guys got tackled on the four? Well, every touchdown that uh, Sheen and, and uh, Ali got um, – or Shell and Ali got, I mean, he was, we were goal line, you know, and I told him, got my, my philosophy to the receivers. If you get tackled inside the five, I'm going to call a run play. That's your fault. So if you get tackled inside the five, we're going to run it. Now, if we don't get in with the run, we may call another pass play. But I, I think when you look at it from that perspective, I, I think he did a really good job, new adjusted system, New coaching staff, up tempo, kind of letting him have a little bit more freedom, you know, in the reads and the throws than he had in the past. Uh, I, I think he did a really good job. All right, let me get this straight. If you get tackled, your receiver, you get tackled, and you're maybe four yards out, you're inside the four, and you get tackled, coach is going to call a run play. Isn't that telegraphing a little bit? In, in all seriousness, I don't know if that's going to be the official policy of Marshall football is if the wide receiver gets tackled in the four, they're going to be a, a run play. But so far, Marshall's been able to back it up. Ali had four. Sheldon had two. And if you're a wide receiver, you got to be sitting there thinking, you going to take my touchdown away? You're going to take an opportunity for me to get a touchdown? You're going to give it to the running backs because one of us, that's going to, that's going to have some competition here. These guys are going to be struggling. So all of a sudden, these guys are going to get the ball, and they're going to be near the goal line. They're probably going to be diving for the end zone, trying to make sure they don't get tackled and get that touchdown because Coach is basically saying, look, if you guys can't get it in, I'll give it to the running backs. And as you saw Marshall's run totals, Rasheen, he had 59 yards, four touchdowns, 14 attempts. Sheldon had... 27 yards on nine attempts and two touchdowns. So the running backs got the opportunity to score while the wide receivers, well, they were chewing some yardage up here. I mean, you had Corey Gamage almost with a 100-yard game. Talik had a 100-yard game. And then you had pretty nice balance here as far as the wide receivers are concerned. But that, that was funny to me because I'm sure that's not official thundering hurt offensive policy if you guys don't get in we're going to give it to the running back well maybe it is i don't know 
He, he doesn't seem like he does anything uh, without a purpose here. And so there you have it. Uh, before we hit the break, let's uh, talk about Eli Neal on the defensive side. 11 tackles, three sacks. You know what that gets you? What does that get you? Uh, that gets you Defensive Player of the Week in Conference USA. And don't forget, he also had a big special teams play. Uh, he scooped up the block field goal, and he threw some uh, some yards there on the positive side of the win. Defensive Player of the Week, Eli Neal. Here's a coach talking about him. You know, I, 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 I one, I commend Eli because he, he's been phenomenal since I've gotten here. Um, but I think the one thing that really, you know, I saw moving forward closer to the Navy game was his preparation. You know, his preparation from film watching, his preparation from the way he practiced, um, the consistency in his practice, the leadership that he had of demanding that everybody around him practice with the same intensity and focus. And then Saturday was just a byproduct of the work he put in. Um, and I think you guys had a chance to see that. Now, obviously, when you play linebacker, you need a lot of people in front of you to keep guys off of you. Um, but but his preparation allowed him to have a lot of success on Saturday. Um, and hopefully that can filter throughout the team, you know, and, and we all can prepare a little bit better so that when our opportunities come, we're, we're prepared and ready to execute. And he talked a little bit more about Guys getting ready to play. You knew Eli Neal would be ready. You just knew that. That's You don't have to worry about that. He's a leader. You don't put any concern his direction. And to hear that a lot of the young guys, both on the offensive and defensive side of the ball, they're coming up, and that's due in part to the veterans taking charge here. Basically expecting a, a higher level. Also expecting things to be done the right way. And Coach talked about the way that this team is structured, the way that this team is set up, that you know, you got to be ready to play because when your opportunity happens, you got to go out there and play and perform. And, and as you see this team develop, you're going to have more depth because, again, everyone has an opportunity. And you got to be ready. So you might practice all week and not get in the game, but when you're called upon, you got to perform. You got to be ready to play. Yeah, I, th- I think anytime you have veteran leadership at a position, um, they kind of demand a certain standard of excellence within their unit. Um, and, and those guys, you know, Millette Omer and Salguero have been around here a long time. Um, and, and Alex came in, in my office Sunday and said, you know, we were talking and he said, you know, coach, when I came here, you know, you, you, you either performed or you, you didn't play. And, and that's kind of the, the um, you know, the tone that he's taken with that room. You know, you, you get in there, you perform. It doesn't matter if you're a freshman, sophomore, whatever it may be. He was talking about, uh, I think his first start might have been against Cincinnati or almost first start was against Cincinnati. And was he prepared? Yes, but was he ready? Probably not. But he had to go in there and fight, and that's kind of the tone that he's taken with his room or with that unit. All three of those guys is, hey, it doesn't matter if you're a freshman, sophomore, walk-on, scholarship guy, been here before, haven't been here before. If we put you in the game, you got to be ready to play. And I think that showed up with Sartor and Osborne kind of throughout the game, those guys kind of buying into that room's philosophy. you got to be ready to play, Gabriel. you got to be ready. 
That's what I expect out of you in there. You got to be ready to play. We might insert new guys in at any time, but we expect. The, see, Coach Huff has got his standards are maybe not as high as mine on this program. I just want to point that out now. I'm, I'm just, I'm pointing that out now because I know I was gone for a couple weeks here, but no, we um, we got some standards here. We need to rebuild back up on this program. Let's just say that right now. It begins today. Welcome uh, into the Tuesday edition of the Drive here on ESPN ninety four point one at AM nine thirty. I'm your host Paul Swan. Uh, when we come back, we'll get you set for Marshall soccer. That's coming up at seven o'clock tomorrow. We're going to hear from Coach Huff about. The opponent, NC Central. We'll talk about the game more tomorrow. But when we continue, we'll wrap up the evening Marshall soccer coming up tonight. We'll talk about it when we continue with today's edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Presented by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Marshall men's soccer in action tonight. ESPN Plus, where that's going to be, the seventh-ranked Marshall men's soccer team on the road, taking on the East Tennessee Buccaneers. East Tennessee State, ETSU. Remember ETSU? You guys are probably too young in the room in there. ETSU, uh, a big foe of the Thundering Herd in the Southern Conference days. Uh, those were some fun matchups, but in the soccer side of things, Marshall and ETSU have met seven times overall. 4-3 is the record in favor of ETSU. Marshall, however, has won the last two. These two teams did meet on February 23rd. Marshall won in Huntington 2 nothing. I'm still wondering, should I be worried about Marshall soccer right now? I mean, in years past, 1-1-1 would have been fine, right? A victory, get a top 25 victory, you lose in the top 25, and then you have a 3-3 draw with a team receiving votes. Now, is this team 1-1-1 on the record book? Yes. Is this team a 1-1-1 team right now? I don't know. I really hope that after a win, a loss, and a draw, this team realizes that it's a lot better than what the record has indicated and that it's just a bounce here, a penalty there, some things that can be cleaned up. Yeah, I don't know if I need to be worried. Now, if Marshall comes down and just blitzes ETSU, I'll feel a lot better. And again, that's coming up tonight, 7 o'clock, going to be on ESPN+. Plus. The Thundering Herd will have one more road match after the game against ETSU, taking on Bowling Green on Saturday. That's going to be an 8 o'clocker, so hopefully uh, we're done with Herd football. We can all tune in and watch a little Marshall soccer. It's a pretty good home schedule so far. You got West Virginia, which is receiving votes, and again, going to be a great addition to Conference USA. Akron's coming in, number 19 in the country, number 21 Kentucky, and then Butler. So the schedule's not going to be much easier, and you know all those teams on that schedule are going to be gunning for the herd. If West Virginia can knock off Marshall, that's going to be some bragging rights there. Not only do you beat Marshall in the national championship year, you beat the defending national champion 
Also, Akron, I'm sure, would like to take care of some business with the Herd. And Kentucky being a conference match wants to get a piece of Marshall as well. So, Thundering Herd, a lot of challenges coming up for the soccer team. But we'll see what happens tonight, 7 o'clock, going to be on ESPN+. Plus. Looking forward to getting Coach Grassy back on. I can't wait to get him on. Then, um, hey, what about Marshall women's soccer? Coach Swan getting some things done. So uh, congratulations to them starting to make things work. And I don't know if that's going to generate long-term success because, after all, just to be fair, I mean, you got to coach really. I mean, it's technically not his first season, but technically it's his first season. It's not as if he got an opportunity to really start building this program right in the middle of a pandemic. So there are some challenges for the Thundering Heart on the women's side. But, hey, uh, the good news is, hey, how about the women? And they're back in action taking on Radford. That is coming up on Thursday. So I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, we got volleyball coming up this weekend taking on Southeast Missouri State and uh, Kansas City. So uh, a little tennis action coming up as well. Saturday's going to be really busy. You've got swimming, you've got volleyball, you've got, of course, soccer. You've got Marshall taking on NC Central. we got a busy, busy week coming up, and uh, I'm glad we can all do it together. That's going to do it for this edition. Thanks to our producer, Gabriel Sellers. Back tomorrow, we'll do it all over again. We'll hear from Coach Huff, and we might have a surprise or two for you. Stick around. We'll have more coming up tomorrow here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 9. Good night, everyone. Huntington, W231BS Huntington, broadcasting from the Oscars Breakfast Burgers and Brew Studios. This is ESPN 94.1.